Welcome back to the Ed Morrissey Show podcast. Joining me as always, my partner in crime, the regent of redstate.com, the prince of Twitter, the stewardship, the steward of the Swifties. Andrew Malcolm. <laughs> uh, Ed, Ed, I'm gonna Ed. let that one go. I'm gonna let that one go after this time though, but I I, I just had to throw it in for <laughs> You're funny. Yeah. You, you so. got a, I got I was talking to people about that column and people really enjoyed your column on, on Taylor Swift. Well, so I just yeah, wanna... well, you know, I got I get sick and tired of that house speaker fight and well, I'm sick and tired of Washington, but yeah. I've known that for decades. So <laughs> Well, it's, uh, you know, there's other things to talk about. And it, I mean, we're starting to see this. I think there's other things to talk about than the, um, you know, Israeli Hamas war too. I mean, we've been kind of focusing on that and focusing on yeah uh, uh, coverage. I do have to mention one thing too, not because I'm going to complain, because I think I've already laid out my baseline complaints about media coverage. They're not covering the fact that Hamas is declaring that they want to annihilate Israel, uh, except for one news outlet. They're not covering Rashida Tlaib's uh, connections to Hamas. Nobody's touching that with a 10-foot pole. But NBC News actually did a really good job with the senior Hamas leader, Matt Bradley, uh, went to Beirut to interview Ghazi Hamad, who had been on Lebanon TV. And there was a guy who said, you know, this isn't about occupation. This is about, you know, Israel needs to be removed. It needs to be annihilated. And we're going to do these 10-7 uh, attacks, the Al-Aqsa flood, uh, attacks over and over and over again until we destroy Israel. And nobody picked up on this, right? Not, hardly anybody in the American media picked up on it. NBC had one one update that included it, right? And then Matt Bradley goes over to Beirut, and Matt Bradley spanked <laughs> Kazi Ahmad. I mean, it was actually a really good clip. I'm not sure if you had a chance to see it. No, but uh, that well, that's encouraging. It's one. For both of the NBC viewers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But hey, look, I mean, my threshold is low <laughs> these days. My expectations are really oh, low. Oh, yeah, no, you're right. You're absolutely right, Ed. It's it's a great clip. <laughs> okay, I'll look for it. Yeah, we, I, I mean, I wrote about it, I think, on Friday. It's, oh, so okay. It, it's, well, over, it's over the hot air. I'll go, uh, I'll go click 20 or 30 times to get into yours. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> I just had to mention that because you know we talk a lot. We criticize the media an awful lot. I got to give oh, them a yeah. that one. No, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Good on and, you. Uh, and and that resulted in an avalanche of coverage of of. No, I'm just kidding. It didn't. <laughs> Nobody followed <laughs> up. <laughs> so, uh, but let's talk about other things. Let's talk about other things because uh, you mentioned that you wanted to discuss the uh, Lewiston shooter, the mass shooter in Lewiston, Maine. And uh, and and how that was covered and how that was approached. I'm, you know, I I have my issues with that, but I haven't seen anything that you've written on it. So I'm curious as to well, I haven't I haven't written on it. Uh, well, I wrote on one before. I, I you know you lose track of them, uh, but the Lewiston shooter case had exactly the same things as the Parkland shooter and uh, the guy who shot up the church in Texas. Uh, and so on and that is a lot of people knew him. he was crazy yeah. a lot of people and and a lot of people talked to a lot of people he was crazy and nothing got done now 
the national conversation will be once again about guns, but it, that's pointless. I mean, what are there, 300 million guns in the United States? Forget that. There are a lot fewer crazies, and yeah. we, don't, we don't have a way to handle them. So whenever, for instance, I think that was the Parkland shooter. It was one of those Florida ones that was uh, knocking off neighborhood pets with his rifle. Well, that's not normal. Okay. So he did go to a counselor, but they can only go to counselors so long. You can only involuntarily confine someone for mental analysis for three days. You you know, I mean, yep. you just can't do that. Uh, you can't get a clear mental profile in three days. And so they have to let them go. The guy in um, the guy who shot up the church in Texas, um, he got in trouble for beating up his wife and then uh, throwing his baby. Um, he was in the Air Force. And somehow they didn't send that report around, so he was able to buy guns. This is like a normal person. It, you know, we don't talk about those things because saying that your relative is acting loopy, Ed, and you should do something about it to get your back up, and there's no real way to handle them. The guy in uh, the Buffalo shooter in the grocery store, people knew he was a... Uh, angry at blacks and threatened to do something it's you know we have to develop a system we're not we're not it's just going right. to go on and on and on and more innocent people are going to die they didn't know what happened all of a sudden they're dead uh because americans don't want to talk about a sensitive issue yeah yeah, yeah i mean there's the media had a role in this too though right yeah because yeah. there were there were certainly issues about how these, um, you know, how commitments were being done and how, you know, involuntary commitments were being done. And I mean, you can take those issues all the way back to uh, 1920s Los Angeles. The, the film Changeling has a, it was really good. At, I was watching the story and I was starting to Google it because I, this, this can't possibly be true. And it's like, yeah, it was. And uh, where, the, where the police had uh, a woman involuntarily committed because she was telling them that the boy that they brought to her that was supposed to be her missing son wasn't her missing son and they refused <laughs> they refused to accept her word for it i mean so i mean it's not that there weren't issues in this but we threw out the baby with the bathwater in part because of exposés like geraldo rivera's very you know sensational exposés on these sorts of things i'm not saying he was that they were false but I'm saying the media really sort of turned this into a firestorm rather than having a debate on the merits and demerits of the system as it was and how you could reform it to make it work properly. Right. It just resulted in, you know, this, this whole thing, uh, the, all the sensational nature of this just resulted in them throwing the whole thing out. And we've had a homeless problem ever since because people who should be committed uh, because they can't fend for themselves are not fending for themselves or ending up on the streets or worse, as, as we saw with this guy. This guy had been in a hospital. He had been in a mental hospital for two weeks, yeah. about two months prior, a month or two months prior to that shooting. The Army Reserves knew this guy was a serious problem, problem and nobody followed up on it. I mean, 
that's really the story here. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we wear seatbelts on the one in a million chance that we're going to be in a car accident. But we let these one in a million crazy people go because, oh, well, we don't want to be wrong. Well, there's a lot of dead, innocent people. Yeah, there's a lot of dead, innocent people. And look, I mean, I understand that, you know, you can't just lock people up just because you think they're going to do something wrong. I mean, it's sort of like pre-crime, you know, the whole... No, you need a procedure. You need a procedure. You need due process. You need to have pretty solid evidence that this, per this person is too mentally ill to be out on the streets. He's a danger to himself or others. And there's a lot of people on the streets right now that qualify for that. And you can see that because they're, they're all over the place. Yeah. You know, they're shooting up They're uh, they're, they're self-medicating with, you know, fentanyl and heroin and, uh, and, and meth because they can't take care of themselves because they have serious mental illness. And we're just sticking our heads in the sand. I, I mean, you're exactly correct about this. And we're not having a conversation about it because people want to talk about the guns. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Well, in, in L.A. a couple of years ago, they, as kindness for the homeless people, they put out these porta potties and the porta potties became shooting up galleries and and stand up brothels. You know, I mean, so how does that solve anything? That's, that's, I'm sorry, I'm having trouble. I'm having trouble imagining that. No. I mean, I guess I could see it, but good lord. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, okay, I mean, on to on to something nice. Well, I mean, I, I mean, but but I mean, this is this is. <laughs> indicative i think of the type of ideological rigidity that we have in this country we're not looking at problems and saying well what's the actual problem what's the solution to that yeah. the actual problem is not guns we've always had guns in this country we've had guns all uh, yeah, we've had guns guns have been plentiful throughout the entire american history we've never had gun violence like this and it's because up until about four decades ago we didn't have crazy people on the streets like we do right now with no recourse to, to keep them committed. Yeah. And I mean, that, that's true of, um, of the, the shooter in Lewiston. It's uh, true of uh, people like uh, the shooter in the Nashville thing. And that's and the reason why I mentioned the Nashville thing is because as we're talking, you know, the um, Steven Crowder got a leak of the manifesto that they've been hiding for the last seven months uh, from the transgender shooter in, in uh, at the covenant school. And the Nashville Police Department finally, after several hours, several hours after Stephen published the photos of these three pages, said, well, those aren't from the crime scene. What the hell does that mean? Okay, Nobody they're not said crime, they were. but are they from the diary? If you're not willing to say that they're not from the diary, I'm pretty sure that means they're genuine. Yeah, yeah. And what's the point of hiding it? I mean, I, I mean that's, that's the other thing. Why did they hide this at all? She's dead. It's not like it's going to, it's not like it's going to taint a jury pool. She's dead. Yeah. <laughs> so there's no yeah. case to bring. And they've been sitting on it for seven months. Why? Yeah. There's so many things like that, that slip uh, into the cracks and they don't come out. No, they don't come out. And what we get is a lot of double talk, like what we're getting from the Nashville police department here getting a lot of double talk uh, about, well, 
that may not be genuine. That may not be a crime scene photograph. Well, nobody said it was. Just saying that that was what, these are three pages from the diary. Are they or aren't they three pages from the diary? If they're not, then just say they're not from the diary. Yep. Yeah. Well. So no, again, once again, you know, this is, we talk a lot about the, you know, erosion of trust in institutions. This is part of this, this sort of parsing language. It's like, yeah. I mean, yeah. if you're saying it's, you know, it's from the diary, but they shouldn't have been released. Okay. But don't tell me, well, they're not crime scene photographs, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, so much of what happens, and I'm talking mainly about Washington, but so much of what happens is done for appearances, not because it solves anything or addresses any issues. So they answered, it's not from the crime scene, which isn't really an answer, but it gives the reporter who asked the quote, and they think they're off the hook. Uh, Anthony Blank Blinken is it's going to Israel, to, not because he thinks Netanyahu is going to uh, uh, agree to a whole bunch of pauses in the fighting. Are you kidding right. me? <laughs> no, he's doing it for appearances for the left of the Democrat Party. Yeah, you know, in diplomacy, there's a certain amount of <coughs> appearance keeping that, that takes place in diplomacy. And and I yeah, won't... Sh shaking hands. Shaking, yeah, hands. shaking hands and showing up and, you know, and and clucking tongues to a certain extent too. I mean, the Saudis are clucking tongues a little bit, but everybody knows that the Saudis want to get rid of Hamas. And that, I mean, the, the signal from the Saudis, and this was last, I think last week or two weeks ago was, yeah, this isn't going to derail the uh, the Abraham Accord talks. We're just going to pick it up when they're done. It's like, so yeah. you don't disapprove is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't bother you that they're doing this. Uh, and clearly it doesn't. And the reason why is because Hamas is Iran's proxy. And Iran has been conducting an encirclement campaign around Saudi Arabia for the last two decades, right? Hezbollah and Hamas and Syria, and now yeah. the rebels in Yemen. Um, and the Saudis are sick of it. And so if, if Israel takes out Hamas, they're going to knock a big hole in that encirclement strategy. And the Saudis are not going to be unhappy about that. See, the bad guys in the world don't operate on a midterm election schedule, you know? I yeah. mean, it's like, oh, we have an election in 12 months. We have to be careful. No, they don't have elections that are meaningful. So they just go on and do it. You think China is holding off on, on Taiwan? No, they're holding off on Taiwan because they don't have enough planes or troops or whatever. It. Yeah, and we have a weak president who hopefully will be gone by then. Yeah, but I mean, and just to circle back again to Lewiston and to Nashville, it's this kind of double talk, you know, marginal, you know, di diversion to the marginal that makes diversion, people, diversion. Yeah, yeah, it's a diversion. It's a diversion to the marginal. Oh, it's the guns. There, you know, I think it was an AR-15 used in Nashville. I'm not sure if it was an AR-15 in Lewiston, but it was, you know, some sort of, you know, high capacity, you know, long barrel uh, rifle, uh, I believe. And uh, because you could see it in the in the photographs, whether or not it was specifically an AR-15, I'm not sure. Um, but there are like 6 million AR-15s <laughs> that yeah. are owned by 6 million Americans who aren't going to go shooting up schools or or bowling alleys. 
they use it for they use it for self-defense and they use it for hunting well i'm not sure about hunting about the ar-15 but they use it for you know enjoyment target practice uh and it's part of the second amendment this is a commonly held firearm um there's nothing unusual about an ar-15 except that it looks scary because it's black and it's and not when it gets into crazy's hands yeah but i mean the same thing is true you know the virginia tech shooter and i remember this because this was it happened the very first day that i started working from home in new media as a full-time job it was uh it was like april 17th of 2007 um and I had just gone to work. It was my first day on the job at Blog Talk Radio. And I was still blogging at Captain's Quarters at the time. It's my very first day and he got the Virginia Tech shooter. He did, I mean, he killed, I think, roughly about the same number of people as the Lewiston shooter did. And he did it with handguns. He did it with yeah. handguns. He had multiple, um, you know, he had multiple uh, magazines on his body. I think he had three or four different pistols on him. Uh, it wasn't even a long barrel uh, rifle in that case. Um that, that, I mean, it, it's, it's not the guns. There's something else that's, that's gone on. I'll, I, I'll offer another thing that's gone on, and that gets us to the moment that's happening on campuses right now, is that we have created an education process that doesn't teach people how to think. Right. They teach people what to think. And there's a huge difference, and we're seeing this, because what happens is, is when you teach people what to think, rather than how to think, it mm -hmm. makes them very brittle when up against somebody who has a different point of view. If you've been taught how to think, then you can debate. You can, you can debate, you can look for common ground, you can look for, you know, debate on the things where you can't find common ground, but you debate and you understand. That's, a, that's an excellent point. Have you written that? I, I've written it in different pieces. Maybe I should do an overall yeah, piece. You, yeah, think about that because... Uh... Bring, bring that together, uh, because you're absolutely right about the education system. It, 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 we, we don't bother with history. And that was, that was a, I, I mentioned a, to me, a fascinating historical thing about the current election. Okay. Now, can we talk about the column? Oh, absolutely. I was going to try okay, to segue okay. into that at some so, point. So, yes, absolutely. Go ahead. So, so Dean Phillips is a, rep a Democrat representative from Minnesota. Yep. And he's challenging uh, Biden, uh, and he's on the ballot in New Hampshire, okay? Now, if you go back to 1968, another member of Congress from Minnesota, Eugene McCarthy, got on the ballot in the New Hampshire primary, Democrat primary, and he did not beat Lyndon Johnson, but he came close. And a few weeks later, Lyndon Johnson abandoned his reelection campaign. Uh, so nobody expects Dean Phillips to oust Joe Biden from the White House. But it's an ominous step for them. And here's the kicker, Ed. Joe Biden, because he moved south, because he thought, uh, he thought that New Hampshire dissed him. In 2000, <laughs> he finished fifth in New Hampshire in 2000 and got zero delegates. Okay. Yeah. So, as retaliation, Biden moved South Carolina, which has uh, black voters that he thinks will go for him, moved South Carolina up to the first. 
but there's a state law in New Hampshire. I don't know how they can do this, but there is a state law in New Hampshire that says no matter what, we have to be the first primary. Okay. So they're going to move up in front of South Carolina and Joe Biden neglected to register as a candidate in New yeah. Hampshire. So now, so now Democrats are going, oh my God, he's not on the ballot, but that that's not going to get through on the TV coverage. They're going to say Dean Phillips shellacked Joe Biden in New Hampshire, right? So the Democrats are trying desperately to get a writing campaign going. Well, a writing campaign, I think, might work. It did work in Alaska with Lisa Murkowski, but uh, as we saw with Eugene McCarthy. If a rebel gets close to the incumbent president, that's a big problem. It is a big problem. Yeah. And and look, I, I, I'm not necessarily confident, by the way, that that uh, <laughs> that the media is going to cover it the way that you think that the media is going to cover it. But I, I will say that it's at least possibility that they might. Um, yeah. You know, I think it's more interesting, though. Did you see what David Axelrod said after those New York Times? Yeah, came yeah. Out? That to me is was actually pretty significant. Saying maybe Biden should rethink this whole thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, what Axelrod? I know Axelrod. He and I were reporters in Chicago together, and he was a good reporter. Obviously, with two presidential elections, he was a good strategist. Um, what he said is true, but the, another reason for him saying it is to motivate the turnout. Because one of the fears that shows up uh, in the polling is that with all the bad news and all the bad polls, iffy Democrats or iffy Biden supporters who aren't all that committed to him won't show up. They would vote for him if they did show up, but they might not show up. So Axelrod is also trying to motivate the base by saying, oh, this is really serious. Yeah, I think that that's true. The problem, though, is if you're looking at those numbers, and this is something that um, John Della Volpe, um, who's a Times, New York Times, you know, polling yeah. analyst, points out, is that you know part of the problem here is is splitting the demographics. The demographic base of the Democrat Party is basically being fractured yeah. by the uh, you know the Israel Gaza war, and and I think that. That's a real risk that they are running, and you're seeing how this plays out. You've got the hard left progressives who are going all in on Israel's, uh, you know, uh, is, Israel needs to be decolonized from the river to the sea. Palestine will be free, which is a genocidal chant. Um, and you don't have a lot of Democrats yet that are really standing up to that. John Fetterman, of all people, has actually been pretty yeah. good on that. Bernie Sanders. Yeah. Kind of reversed himself a little bit. I think it was yesterday, yeah. saying, you know, that's that that, that this is that, that that is not what we want. You know, we Israel has a right to defend itself. Israel is is a country and has a right to defend itself. And he had actually been kind of playing footsie with the yeah. radicals yeah. before that. Um, and you know, you've got AOC and Rashida Tlaib on, you know, divided from Bernie Sanders. I mean, that's got to be significant for the democrats right yeah absolutely absolutely well you know if uh if your opponent is uh, fighting amongst themselves let them <laughs> right exactly you know 
past the popcorn. That's past the popcorn time. <laughs> except, and I will say this, except I would say that if you're talking about normal policy, right? If there's some sort of normal policy dispute that's splitting that's splitting your opponent's caucus, or if you have like a, oh, I don't know. And, and I know this is a ridiculous example, but if you have like a, a faction of the other party that just, you know, deposed its own leadership, uh, without any idea of what they were going to do afterwards. That would never happen, Andrew. But, you know, under those circumstances, yeah, you pass the buck. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what Democrats were doing, right? Democrats, that's what Democrats were doing. And I don't blame them for doing it, right? Um, this is a little different, though, because, I mean, this is not just a few lives on the line. This is thousands of lives on the line. And, you know, America's but got I mean, Bernie Sanders is not going to vote for Trump as a protest. No, 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 no. And, and neither are most of the people who are splitting up, even the moderate they, Democrats. They just I might not show up. Or right. or they could go for Dean Phillips. <laughs> well, they could. I mean, and the thing is, is well, that... I mean, he's not going to get elected anywhere, but this yeah, is a yeah. dangerous symbolic action. Yeah, you know... And I wrote I wrote this because I, I have a piece... I had a headline up. Uh, by the time this goes up, it will be yesterday. Um, and I think it was off of Manu Raju's um, thing on this. And I said, you know, one of the things you got to look at in these numbers, and to your point about not voting for Trump, one of the things you got to look at in these numbers is Trump's numbers aren't really going up, right? It's just that Joe Biden's are declining. And what that tells me is two things. One is what you're seeing is a very rapid enthusiasm enthusiasm drop for Joe Biden on his own side and maybe a little bit in the middle. And I get that, but I've seen this before in politics. And what happens is when it comes time to vote, those people usually come home. Is that, you know, if it's, especially if it's Trump versus Biden, those people are gonna come home. They may not all show up to vote, but a lot of them will come back to vote. You can't count on this, especially year out. I mean, you know, that's. This is cheap talk. Oh, yeah, I don't like Biden. Yeah. You know, a year from now, or just slightly under a year from now, um, when they're forced to go to the ballot box and choose between Biden and Trump, they're going to choose Biden. And I'm, especially not, sure. If they're... I'm not sure. It's, yeah, I, I, I agree with you 100%. But I'm not sure it's going to be Biden and Trump. And I'm not sure it's going to be Trump. Well, either. yeah, I mean, that is... There's uh, too much. There's so much uncertainty. You, yeah. You have, you have DeSantis. And, and Haley, who are way behind, but they're way behind if Trump is still in the field. Right. So there's no reason for them to drop out because they're fallbacks. Uh, and then you have Biden. And if Biden decides by the end of the year that he's not going to run, then there's time to pick another candidate for Democrats through the primaries. If it's after the first of the year, it's most likely that the choice of a candidate is gonna to go to the convention floor in Chicago in August. Well, you know, given the, age of both, given the age of both candidates, it's, you know, there's at least a non-zero you know, that you're gonna to have to do that at the convention because maybe neither of these guys make it to the finish line. I mean- Well, here's, here's an interesting development. Uh, Gretchen or Gretchen Whitmer, Newsom, uh, Josh Shapiro in Pennsylvania, and somebody else that I'm forgetting at the moment uh, have formed 
possibly presidential PACs. So they are raising money and they're getting organized. Of course, they're 120% behind Biden. But if Biden drops out, they're 125% for themselves and they will be in a position to, uh, to compete. So you have two parties that have two front runners, both of whom are endangered, in my opinion. It's quite possible, you know, I mean, if Trump gets convicted on some or all of these things. Yeah, I think a conviction might change things. You know, he being won't drop out, but he could be forced out. He could be forced out. Um, I don't think that the, because he was on the, he was on the stand today in the civil trial, right? I know. And did you see that? Well, yes. I saw a couple of clips of it, or, you know, and I've seen some commentary. Yeah, no, I mean, he's, he, um, um, and I was a fan of him when he was president, but I have to say that I agree with DeSantis last Friday when he was in New Hampshire. He said, this is not the Donald Trump of 2015 and 16. And yeah. if you look, if you watch that testimony today, there's elements of Joe Biden in it, you know? Uh, I mean, it's always about himself, Trump, and, you know, a lot of people are all for themselves and narcissistic, but um, in written, I had this in the column too, Sunday. If, if, uh, if you look at Trump's uh, remarks in recent weeks, he's had some Joe Biden type gaffes, you know? talking about the current Obama-Biden administration. Um, yeah. He's confusing people's names. Um, and I had the examples in there and links. Uh, so, he, you know, it's nowhere near as bad as Joe Biden. But uh, what, Trump is um, just under four years I think four years, three and a half years, three and a half, three and a half years. yeah, just under four years younger than uh, than Biden. But he's not doing as much campaigning now. You can say, well, he's busy in court. Okay, he's not doing the big rallies, which are exhausting. I couldn't believe in 2020 he was doing. Biden was hiding in the basement and knocking off at 10:30 in the morning. Trump was doing three and sometimes four rallies in two or three states on the same day. It's amazing, yep. but he's yeah. not doing it. He's not doing it now. And you can come up with reasons, but you can yeah, also be and, suspicious. And, this is a commander in chief. Yeah. The, 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 I mean, the court, obviously the court battles are going to take a little bite out of that because he's got to be in court. Absolutely. They're going to take a big battle, a big bite out of it. Yeah, absolutely. It's absolutely. It should be a consideration for voters. That, that's why that's why they're going after him is to take big bites out but yeah. that's a that's a physical and uh, what calendrical reality that he has to deal with and he's got a solid base of dedicated people i don't think they're all aware that he's grown squishy on abortion but they're still behind him yep 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 indeed anyway well well, I think that brings us to, by the way, go read Andrew's VIP column on this topic because it's great, as always. And he's also got a Malcolm on the right uh, that you can uh, uh, listen to from uh, Thursday, The Peace of Space Amid Earthly Chaos. Go check that yeah. out. 
Yeah, if you want a little piece, it's uh, it's off it's off of politics, and it's got some things that just they don't blow my mind, but they stretch my mind. There you go. That's a good way of putting it. I like that. Mind blown. No, just mind <laughs> stretched. Stretched. Yes. It's just stretched. All right. So, Andrew, jokes of the week. Uh, you have any this week? I've got a couple. They're all old, of course. Um, uh, let's see. Um, uh, Jimmy Fallon, he said, uh, well, uh, tonight's Democratic debate is here on NBC. By the way, we're going to have the Republican debate Wednesday night. Um right. I love that because we do things differently on NBC. Anytime the moderators like what they hear from the candidates, they press a button and their chair spins around. (laughs) 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 The image of Lester Holt spinning in his chair has just got me. Um, Jimmy Fallon also said, Obama says Americans need a real leader who will awake every day and fight for their jobs. Then he said, until we find that guy, I'm your best choice. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That one took me a moment. Yeah. And let's see. um, Jimmy Fallon, uh, he said, uh, wait, um, President Obama will uh, throw out the first pitch at the All-Star game. Joe Biden will also be there to commit the first error. (laughs) <laughs> That's pretty I, good. That. I like that yeah one. those are good even though they're old they're good all right i got i got a couple jokes from jokes of the day.net because okay. I, I always like to i always like to see if there's at least a couple that i can tell you know without running into you know salem sensors i think i got i think i kind of edged up to it uh <laughs> couple of yeah, is that right no I'm not well nobody said anything to me but yeah we're on the kurt schlichter you know, <laughs> the Kurt Schlichter standard is a very generous standard indeed. But <laughs> but I digress. I talked to Kurt the other day. All right. So here's one. A lion woke up one morning feeling rowdy and he went out and cornered a small monkey and roared, who's the mightiest of all jungle animals? And the monkey said, you are mighty lion. So then he went over to where the deer was at and he bellowed, who is the mightiest of all jungle animals? And the terrified deer stammered, oh, great lion, you are by far the, the mightiest animal in the jungle. So then the lion ambled around a little bit and saw the elephant. The elephant, he went up to the elephant and roared, who is the mightiest of all jungle uh, animals? And the elephant grabbed him with his trunk, slammed him into a tree, slammed him into a rock, stomped on him and started walking away. And the lion said, jeez, just because you don't know the answer. (laughs) (laughs) I like that one. I think there was one more here that I I think would be um, clean. (laughs) That's a good one. I like that one. That one was pretty good. Um, all right. So Fred was 32 and single. And, and a friend asked him, he says, why aren't you married at this point? Can't you find a woman who'd be a good wife? And Fred says, well, you know, actually I found, you know, a few women who I thought would be uh, great. And I wanted to marry, but when I bring them home to meet my, my parents, my mother doesn't like them. His friend thinks for a moment, he says, I've got a perfect solution. Just find a girl who's just like your mother. So a few months later, they meet again. Friend says, did you find the perfect girl? Did your mother like her? And friend, friend answers, well, yeah, I found the perfect girl. My mother liked her right away, so you were right. And friend says, so when you get married? He says, I'm not. He says, what happened? He says, my father doesn't like her. <laughs> 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 
I, I like those ones that come in out of left field you don't expect. <laughs> oh, that's good. Uh, all right. So we're, uh, off gotta, next, we're off next week. We'll be off next week. I've got a, I've got some personal stuff going on. So we're off next week, but we'll be back the week after. And okay. uh, just in time for, and I think the week after, now I should really check with you on that because it's actually Thanksgiving week. So I'm not sure what your schedule is going to look like. Um, well, I'll be, I'll be around. Uh, uh, well, yeah, I might not be. Okay. So well, we can talk. A couple of weeks. We might have a couple of weeks off, but that just means that we can find better jokes. So there you go. <laughs> older jokes. Think about older. Even older jokes. Even older jokes. I got to break into my old joke book stash at some point because I had I had a couple joke books. That were well, like, you know, I had a I had a tweet yesterday because it was yesterday was the anniversary from 1922. It was the very day that British rescuers found the entrance to King Tut's tomb. Oh, that's right. Yes. But they were too late. He was dead. Oh, it's heartbreaking. If, heartbreaking if, if, only, if only they had been 3,000 years quicker. <laughs> <laughs> it's still heartbreaking. I think it's still heartbreaking. All right. Yeah. Yeah. All Andrew right. Malcolm, the prince of Twitter, the regent of redstate.com. I won't mention the third title. You can find him at Twitter at AH Malcolm and always at redstate.com. Andrew, we'll talk again soon, some point. All right. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Ed. See you later. <laughs>